Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we are going to celebrate the Festival of Reformation Day. And by celebrate, I mean we're going to talk about the Gospel of St. John, Chapter 8. Uh, if you would like to know the other readings for the Festival of Reformation Day, that was dropped on the reading podcast shortly before this podcast. So today, is a big day within Lutheranism because we celebrate the Reformation. Now, the Reformation wasn't just a one-day thing or even a one-event thing. It took place over years, and we're still living in the effects of what it is and what it did. Vicar, as you are currently still a student within the seminary, what do you know about the Reformation? Well, everybody thinks of the classic picture of Luther nailing the 95 Theses on the church door. Uh, that's certainly an appropriate visual. But we also have the idea that um, Luther was not trying to overthrow the church, start a new church, but truly, as the name tells us, he's trying to reform the church. Right. He sees errors taking place, uh, bad teachings in the church, uh, primarily the sale of indulgence that he really goes hard after in the 95 Theses, and he's trying to correct those errors. So it's not a—it uh, doesn't start off as something where he's just trying to tear it all down and rebuild the whole system. He's trying to correct, uh, make adjustments that hopefully the people in air will see and then correct from there. I, I, I can't agree more. And with that, I, I like the Reformation. So he's reforming. And this reforming is going back to the foundations of what Scripture, what the church has taught. And I really appreciate the simple fact that Luther actually doesn't bring anything new. Um, I have a book on my shelf, uh, Luther Rediscovers the Gospel. Mm -hmm. And I often thought about it kind of like uh, King Hezekiah who finds the book of law <laughs> and tells everybody, hey, I found this great book. We should probably be following this. And it's not that anybody didn't know about this. They just actually didn't do it mm -hmm. or didn't participate or uh, practice or have it as an application of their actual life. And Luther brings this gospel to light in a way that hasn't been done before. And, and I like what you said. He wasn't looking to create a new church, uh, a new anything, but to correct the teachings. And really, it was the simple fact that the church has lost its sight of Christ and his work and was focusing on things that actually didn't benefit people for salvation. So we truly do thank God for Luther and the work that he has given and done, and we still live in, in the wonderful consequences and the, the wonderful result of the gospel being brought to light, which really brings us well into the gospel of St. John uh, chapter 8. And it's about freedom, and it's the freedom of the gospel. And 
I love talking about this because it's so easy to abuse the gospel. And we actually do it really easy and almost naturally. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's really nice of Jesus. <laughs> uh, but we have this almost if-then statement. If you do this, then I will give you this freedom. And my ears perk up on this because I really like checklists. I like law. I like uh, order. I like rules. Tell me what to do so I can follow it. And I can see my growth. I can see my progress. I know how to fix, correct, uh, reorientate myself. So I, I really like this idea that Jesus has laid before these Jews. If you follow me, you will be free. If you abide in my word, you will be set free. That's one of those statements that's really um, the if part of it yeah. is truly easier said than done. Yes. Not because God's word has nothing to say for our lives, but we know, uh, especially today, just like in every time period, there are so many competing things mm -hmm. to listen to and follow in the world around us that it's pretty easy to get distracted from God's word. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and I like that. Um, it, it does sound easy. Follow his word. You got it. Notice that he doesn't actually lay out what that means. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I like that. And it's not that it's a mystery or it's not that um, I'll tell you once I get, once you get in, like a, a bait and switch kind of thing. And I love how the Jews answer him. Now with this, I think the Jews in this text and in this situation, they're, they're picking a fight. I think they're argumentative, and they're not really looking to learn or to even address Jesus in a good, communal, nice way. They want to do something. They want to get something out of him. They want to prove that they're right. And they answer, we are the offspring of Abraham. And have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, there's a couple of ways that we can take this. And Vicar was bringing this about uh, before we pushed record. What do they mean they've never been enslaved? And I, I think that's interesting. Does it mean that they personally have never been enslaved? Does it mean them as a group? What's your take on this? Well, I, my initial read was that they're talking about the people of Abraham, the offspring of Abraham at large. Okay. At which point, uh, that's where, as you're saying, we kind of hit pause and go, wait a second, there was this thing, it was called Egypt. <laughs> you were kind of literal slaves uh, for a while, you know, like 400 years yep. or so. So that doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, and so we're talking about some kind of enslavement here. And then Jesus kind of lays it out in the next couple of verses, what they are enslaved to. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really good point because I, I love how they point to Abraham. Abraham's our guy. We're good in him. Mm -hmm. What are you bringing to the table? We're not bound to anybody because we have Abraham. 
Mm-hmm. And, and they keep going back to Abraham. Abraham saved us. Abraham, we have his name upon us. We're in the direct lineage of Abraham. We're, we're not enslaved to anybody. And, and I like what you said. You know, well, what about Egypt? What about all the other times? What about Rome right now? Who are you paying taxes to? Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that Jesus doesn't take the bait on this one. I, I, would, I would argue and I'd pick a fight with them. And so you're taking it as they're kind of gloating in who it is that they've come from, Abraham. Yeah, I, I think that. And I, I think it's the whole idea that um, Abraham being God's man, mm-hmm. uh, Abraham through Abraham, the great nation of Israel has come to be, and God rules them. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, oh, you'll be free. We have God, because Abraham told us. Mm-hmm. What freedom are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And you you can hear you know the the sarcasm in my my voice, um, but yeah, I, I think they obviously they don't see who Jesus is, but they're also they've missed the point for this offering of freedom, and it is a part of their identity their 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 enslavement throughout the Old Testament. All the prophets remember when God brought us out of slavery into the Promised Land. I mean, every prophet says this. And for them to make this statement, we've never been enslaved. That that's a big statement. Mm-hmm. I, and, and again, I don't know where they're going. Are they going to again, we're the people of God and God has ruled us all the time? That enslavement stuff was just, you know, that's earthly stuff. I yeah. you know, I don't know. But Well, I, I like that idea of kind of boasting in their lineage, their mm-hmm. ancestry, because it fits <laughs> Just so happens, lectionary committee got this one right. That fits pretty well with our epistle lesson yeah. uh, or the second reading from uh, from Romans, because I mean Paul lays out in the book of Romans, obviously written after uh, this interaction between Jesus and these Jews, but Paul really goes after the Jewish people. Mm-hmm for doing just that, for boasting in their lineage, thinking that that gets them something with God beyond uh, the Gentile that would come to faith in Christ. So he spends a lot of time kind of knocking them off this pedestal of being, well, look at us, we are the sons of Abraham. Yeah. So it's an interesting uh, take here in John chapter 8 that they might be also kind of boasting in their lineage well, and with that, and to, to give some credit, it meant something. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this is who I am. This is where I come from. Now, to put the trust of salvation in, I was born to this house, this lineage, well, you've taken your eyes off Christ and right. the promise. And Jesus doesn't let him off on the hook. And again, I appreciate how he takes this opportunity to lay out the gospel because he doesn't attack them and he doesn't uh, show them how wrong they are. He just shows them the truth, which will set them free conveniently. <laughs> Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, right now, I'm going to go off into the weeds just a little bit. I really think this makes the Jews mad because Jesus puts him in the authority to set people free. 
Hmm. And these Jews are trying to take Jesus down, you know, through an argument, knock him down off his pedestal. But he's saying, if you abide in my word and I set you free, you'll be free indeed. Right after they just made this boastful claim that they've never been slaves to anyone and don't need this freedom. And I think that's an interesting aspect too, because they're really saying, we don't need the freedom you're offering. Mm -hmm. But um, the thing that uh, I really struggle with, and this is just through the realization of the depths of my own sin, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. And that, that question really then comes about, what hope do I have? Mm-hmm. Because not only am I a, a sin sinner, I openly confess it every Sunday. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. What hope do I have? And we can hear this in so many ways. Is Jesus making a transactional statement? Well, if you're a sinner and you're a slave to sin, well, that's as far as you can go. I'm sorry. You're not abiding in my word. Uh, hope you come back later. Maybe we can do something. Jesus does talk about elsewhere in the Gospels that the the gate to heaven is narrow. Yeah. But that would be a pretty awfully narrow gate, yes. considering that we're all sinners. We've yep. all sinned at one point or another, uh, daily perhaps. And so if it's uh, this idea that, well, if you've sinned, yeah. well, end of the road for you. Yeah. So I hope that's not it. No, and, and, <laughs> and I, again, I, I think this is to really address where the Jews are trying to put their trust. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea that where are they actually finding their identity? Where are they finding their hope? And Jesus is pointing to himself. And I've said this uh, in sermons, Bible classes, and I'm sure on this podcast. Jesus is the only one that can talk about himself all the time and never do it arrogantly. (laughs) This is all about himself. This is all about the gifts that he brings. When he says, you're a slave to sin, he points to himself and says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the one who brings about your freedom. And this isn't to lord it over them. And and the statement's not even to make you feel bad. It's to point out, if you continue in your unrepentive sin, if you do not take the offer of the free gospel and the freedom that the gospel actually opens to you to abide in my word of hope, to abide in my word of peace and forgiveness— then you are truly bound to your sin. Mm-hmm. And it's controlling you. And, yeah. and, and that's where I think the analogy, if you want to call it that, of being a slave to sin, right. really uh, it just breaks right into everyday life because how many times do you have that sin that you do that then just shapes how you act, mm-hmm. how you maybe structure your whole day, um, but this idea that sin is truly controlling you and if you're controlled by that sin that you don't want to get rid of, you're right. unrepentant of it, then how can you also be a follower of Jesus? And, and that's exactly what Jesus is laying out. And again, I love the idea with his hands opened and that offering statement, the, the truth will set you free. And again, the thing that I think annoys and frustrates the, the Jews of our text, the slave does not remain I think he's flat out calling them, yeah, you are slaves. <laughs> You're slaves to your sin, your false doctrine, your false hope, and you will remain. You will not remain in the house. 
the sun remains forever. And, and I, I like this idea that um, they're absolutely people of God. They're, they're Jews, they're Israelites, they're, they're in the lineage of Abraham. But they're looking at that fact to get them into heaven. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you're in this house now but you won't be in it later. Mm-hmm. And I think this goes back to a, a couple of weeks ago, the, the first will be last and the last will be first. And the idea that those who we think will be in heaven because of how good they're living or they say all the right uh, words, there's a pretty good chance that they actually might not be in heaven because where did they put their faith? Where did they put their trust? And of course, Jesus was talking about uh, earthly riches, the, the rich man and so on and so forth. And here it's, where did these Jews put their trust? We're the sons of Abraham. Abraham will save us. Abraham died trusting the promises of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was accredited to him as righteousness. And this is what Jesus is revealing to them. And the whole idea, once again, that the Son sets you free. When you are gathered and brought into the life of Christ and participate in abiding in his word, trusting that your sins are forgiven and struggling against your sins. And again, that's recognizing not only am I a sinner, but I don't want this. I don't want to do it. I don't want it to control me. I want the gospel. And this is where we come with the the, the strife of this life, knowing right and wrong, knowing uh, what to do and not to do, and struggling to do what needs to be done, and this this freedom. So let's let's tie this back to Reformation Day. If we're looking at Reformation Day, uh, we had Martin Luther out to reform the church, rediscovering the gospel, the full sweetness of the gospel, which is freedom in Christ being freed of your sins, justified by faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. We are free in Christ. So how do we use that freedom? What do we do? Eat boxes of Oreos in (laughs) one setting and praise Jesus the whole time. Amen. What do you do with your freedom? (laughs) So... (laughs) Again, if we're tying this to, to the Reformation, um, Martin Luther's got a, a great um, writing, The Freedom of the Christian, Freedom of a Christian, and he he brings up this, uh, this seemingly opposing statement that the, the Christian is completely free in Christ, but also completely bound as a servant to other people. To everyone. To all people. So we have this idea that we are free in Christ, but we don't abuse that freedom and take it as a get-out-of-jail-free card to Mm -hmm. go do whatever we want to do, go sin, and then say, well, I'm free in Christ. I can do whatever I want. Because that's exactly what a lot of people took uh, Martin Luther to be saying back during the time of the Reformation. So you had the radical reformers who mm-hmm. were using this to justify their sinful living. Well, I'm free in Christ. I'm forgiven, so I can do whatever I want. But putting that in the context of the gospel lesson from John 8, you are free, and now 
go and repent of your sins, mm-hmm. get out of that sinful living, and, and use your freedom to love and serve others. Yeah, this freedom actually is really hard because um, our natural nature is to be bound to the law. Again, I started off this podcast by saying I really like checklists. I, I like things to do. And we really do want to make Jesus into the next lawgiver. Jesus, tell me what to do that I may enter in heaven. And this is not what he's offering. That's not what he's giving. Uh, abide in my word. That's living out your gospel, living out your freedom, your forgiveness. How do you do that? By being the best husband, being the best wife, being the best son, being the best daughter, being the best employee, employer, best student, by serving your neighbor as the gift of God that they are. And that's really hard because then the question is, okay, how do I do that? Well, what's your station in life? Um, the, there's a quote that's attributed to Luther that um, he said that um, the Christian shoemaker is not a good Christian shoemaker because he puts crosses on the shoes. Hmm. He's a good Christian shoemaker because he makes quality shoes and sells them at a good price. You serve your neighbor. And again, it's hard because we actually don't like freedom. We want to be bound to something. And too often, we, we bind ourselves to sin. We bind ourselves to things that are a false hope and false doctrine and so on and so forth. And this freedom and this, this free to, you're free indeed, should be liberating. And um, I heard a, a sermon once, and I, I like this imagery, that uh, in our sin, we're all in jail cells. And Christ comes with the, the key and opens up every jail cell and says, go forth and live. But because we know the jail cell, because we know all the bars, we know all the things in there, that's our comfort. Mm-hmm. And so we we remain jailed even though the doors open. <laughs> and again, that, that's, again, our, our nature. And it's hard to serve. It's hard to love our neighbors. And again, the, the Jews saying, we have not been slave to anyone. That doesn't mean that they were serving their neighbors. It doesn't mean that they were following God's law. They were self-serving people like everybody else. And Jesus breaks that open. And uh, again, the, the gospel setting us free. What do we do with this? And I love telling people, you are now free to love your neighbor as Christ has loved you. That, that's a very high bar and high standard. And thanks be to God, that's really what we get to strive after knowing it's already been completed. And we have the freedom of having God's wrath taken away and not having that hammer sitting right above us waiting to, to pound us into death for, for life has been given to us. So this is, you know, this is a whole five verses and it's all about your life here and now and your life forever and, and, and the struggle we have with freedom because how quickly, especially as Americans, mm-hmm. we, 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 we talk about our freedoms and our rights and all these things, but what do we do with them? How quickly do we abuse them or how quickly do we give them up? Mm-hmm. How quickly do we let other things uh, take over? And Jesus is really saying, abide in my word. Abide in the work that has been given to you in me 
so that you get to serve. And of course, when we hear service, when we hear uh, being, uh, we, we hear that in connection to being slaves. You mean I have to work? <laughs> I have to help other people? So I, I think that's a great question. And, and it's something that we will struggle with. And we need to look at what the church actually says about this. Uh, Luther and his Reformation, when he brought this out, he had no problem talking about this very freedom. But he also pointed out how quickly, and I loved, he, he points this out for everybody. The priests who are to teach God's law and gospel are untrained and are not showing people what they need to know. And the people heard the freedom of the gospel and have taken every opportunity to abuse it. And to this day, we still struggle with that, and all the more reason to hear the comfort of Christ and the promises of everything already fulfilled for us. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.